Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. So hello and welcome to another podcast from Disruptive HR. And today I am absolutely delighted to be chatting with Amy Girdwood, EVP, People and Culture at Discovery. Obviously, the EVP title suggests big international organisation. So hi, Amy. How are you? Doing all right. Thank you. Surviving. Surviving lockdown. So tell us a bit about uh, your role and what EVP people and culture does at Discovery and then perhaps we can talk about some of the the challenges of lockdown because of course right now when we're recording this we are in the middle of it all. So tell us first a bit about your role and then we can move on to lockdown challenges. I am responsible for people and culture at Discovery for the international and the global corporate group. So what that means is I'm essentially the, the account management customer face of people and culture or human resources, as it used to be called, for everybody outside the US, plus everyone globally who is in the the services part of the business. So finance, business affairs, legal, communications. So how many people roughly does that do you kind of represent? Gosh, um, uh, I would say probably somewhere in the region of 8,000. And then you've got the flexible workers on top of that. We have a large flexible population. So that, you know, possibly even doubles it. So tell me about the kind of people who work at Discovery. Obviously, you know, me being ex-BBC, I've got a rough idea. But just for people who are listening who might not know the full range of things that Discovery do. Sure. We have, uh, so we have a a number of, a suite of channels on television, on your cable and satellite across in in most of the world. We have free-to-air businesses, big free-to-air businesses in many countries in Europe. We have sports business in Eurosport, that is a European sports product. And you you got them, you integrated them relatively recently, didn't you, Eurosport? Yeah, like 2014. Oh um, God, is it really as long ago as that? is i know time flies and we have a, a, a obviously the ra- the rapid expansion is in direct to consumer and we have a number of both scale products and niche products in the direct to consumer space and then other businesses like licensing and merchandising and theme park and the consumer what does that actually look like in practice then what is what is that, that you're selling direct to the consumer so it varies market to market. We have Eurosport Player, which is a sport, a multi-sports direct-to-consumer app product uh, that you can get on your phones in the UK uh, and across Europe. We have DPlay uh, in the UK and in the Nordics and in the Netherlands and in Italy, which is a, an aggregation of our direct-to-consumer of all of our content. So you're you're having to really uh, grow the the digital side of the business, digital capabilities, digital talent, etc. Yes, the, the sort of overarching strategy for the company over the last couple of years has been to be as effective and efficient in the core part of the business, which is our core channels and our core. Yeah. Co- 
happen and then take all of the money that we can save through being as efficient and as effective as possible and put that into direct-to-consumer, into accelerating the growth of the direct-to-consumer business. And so, you know, we have niche products like we have a golf product with the PGA. We have a cycling product, the Global Cycling Network. We have, you know, a lot of different products and we are continuing to invest and develop in that space. Fantastic. And so back to lockdown Mm. and just tell us about some of the challenges that you're facing either as you know, <laughs> either on a personal level or as an HR director, as an EVP of people and culture, just some of the things that you're wrestling with right now. Well, I mean, I think that, that it has required us all to work incredibly differently. And we were better prepared than many because we had quite a big working from home culture, flexible environment, primarily because a lot of the people in discovery support multiple markets work across multiple markets and so because you're dealing with people who aren't located in the same office as you are or the same country as you are working flexibly is sort of a a necessity Um, sometimes that's working from home sometimes that's working from an airport or a cafe or whatever Um, and so we had the equipment we had the technology uh, our tech stuff were fantastic but, you know, working from home is a challenge for people, a challenge for me with a seven-year-old. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, I appreciate teachers more and more every day. So, yeah, so true. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's also been really, really positive. We have a culture where we are very empowering of the staff and uh, we were very clear from the very beginning that we understood that this was a very complicated situation and that people needed to make smart decisions for how to run their lives and their work and that we trusted them to make good decisions. And whether that means that you have to take time out of your day to teach your child, look after your family, go and get shopping for an elderly neighbor, whatever those things are, do what you need to do. We trust you to do your job to the best of your ability ability we accept that there may be some productivity impact and you know we we will all get through this together and those were the messages that were went that went out early on and were very well received by the staff it took a, a lot of pressure off and because people generally want to really you know people really want to do well and they want to work hard and they want to succeed and they want to grow and develop you know, there's no lack of energy or effort on behalf of the, the, the employees. Yeah. You know, and then we, we found that it was hard. It was hard when you were doing Zoom meetings every day and it's exhausting. Mm. Yeah. More tiring somehow than being in person. I think it's the relentlessness and the similarity of it. You know, it's just going mm. from the same kind of interaction via video over and over again you don't take breaks you don't get up you may be on sitting on a chair that was not designed to you know be sat on for hours on end and so halfway you know within within a month or so we had put in place new ways of working in terms of things like we cut our default meeting time so when you set a meeting up ordinarily previously it would set up the automatic default was either to a half hour meeting or an hour meeting yeah worked with zoom to change the default meeting times from 60 to 45 minutes and from 30 to 25 minutes so that the default is a is a is a schedule that gave people sort of built-in breaks and encouraging managers to focus more on productivity versus hours spent and so, you know, once you once you get into the mind of, I trust my employees to do their best 
and I'm more concerned with the output than with the input, then everything gets so much easier. And, you know, we have programs that most people have like summer hours where during the, during the summer and in some places in the world, it's year round. We finish early on a Friday. People work extra hours during the week and then they finish at midday on the Friday. You know, we continue to do that. Even, even though there was flexible working, we still went along with summer hours because it gives people that extra bit of legitimacy to take that time. Because yeah. I think even though we said it, people still feel guilty because oh, we're so to over deliver. Yeah. And I think that's just a, there's some real smart stuff in there. And I think this whole point about trust, this recognition that actually people are trying to do their very, very best. I heard one chief exec say to his people that, you know, you're not working from home. You happen to be at home trying to work. So don't give yourself a hard time. And just by saying that, you know, as you say, it just takes the pressure off. And I think, you know, the smart idea of the, of the, you know, the the Zoom default, it's such a simple thing, but you're right. It just gives you that little break. Yeah. Um, Because there is a greater intensity with Zoom, isn't it? I think when you're kind of on these, these Zoom calls, there's, it just feels like so much more intense and it shouldn't be because you're sitting in your own home and you've got your stuff around you but but actually there is an intensity to it I think that's exhausting there is. so one of the things that that we've been asking people on these podcasts is uh you know for all the sadness and challenge of the crisis and I, and I don't want to minimize that because clearly it has been incredibly difficult for some people but however this does give us an opportunity Um, and it has forced us to do things differently and what we're finding is that rather than this kind of idea of just things going back to normal is that people are starting to talk about what does the new normal look like and we're we're using the language around what does better normal Mm -hmm. look like it's a bit icky but you kind of get the point and so what where's your thinking around perhaps some of the things that you were forced into doing or that you've chosen to do differently that you that you don't ever want to change, you know, you don't ever want to go back to how it was. Is, is there, has Discovery yeah. and, the, and the people and culture team found some things that that you want to take forward into the better normal? Yes, there's a huge, a huge amount of things. I mean, example, you know, an ex- a top of mind example would be communication. So we have been doing a weekly Zoom, global Zoom meeting that with the CEO, David Zaslav, my my boss, who's the global head of people and culture, Adria Alpert-Rom, and a number of different either executives or guest speakers talking to the entire workforce at the same time. We have over 8,000 people dialing in every week. Wow. And it, there's something really impactful about seeing your leaders in their own homes. And there's a naturalness around the communication that has really resonated with the staff. We did a we did a survey and people said bar none, that is the most the thing that they most love about what has happened during lockdown from a company perspective. So the days of the big town hall with the hired venue and the podium and <laughs> yeah. it's gone. It's gone. They'll never go back. Yeah. Because someone doing it on their iPhone in their sitting room and talking, you know, the 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 David's very charismatic and Adria is very natural and charismatic as well. And so they tell personal stories, mm. you know, about how they're trying to cope with their food habits during lockdown or they're yeah. trying to, you know, watching, you know, binge watching Columbo or whatever it is <laughs> that just make them normal human beings 
and that engages with them. And so the sort of more direct communication between employees and leaders has happened. So that's you, one is, thing. That is that uh, weekly call a more frequent cadence to to the room yes. as well in that yes. and and if they like of of uh, employees like that you know little and often yes definitely i mean so that kind of leads me on to to the second thing which is communities so i think that it they do like it. They do like that more frequently, but not quite so heavy. And I think the fact that with those big global meetings, we have guest speakers come in. So, you know, we had uh, last week because of the Black Lives Matter situation, we had uh, one of the members of Congress in the US and we have a share in a production company, minority-owned production company. And we have people come and talk about their experiences and you know, it, it sort of mixes it up and gives like fresh voices. It's very topical. It's we had the CEO of Zoom come and talk about what this this whole experience has meant to them. And so it's just is a very it's easy, it's dynamic. Those people are available because they're in lockdown, but also because you don't have to travel anywhere. Yeah. Um, so that really works. Um, communities is another thing that has really changed. So, you know, we had sort of the traditional ERGs, the LBGTQ, Multicultural Alliance, Green D, etc. But there's also been an increase in the number of communities that came together around lifestyles. So we have built a community. We use um, Facebook at work, Workplace. Yeah. And so there's a community that, that's come together called Home Alone Together, which are people who are living on their own in isolation. And how can they connect with other people who are experiencing the same things as they are? Parents with school-aged kids, pet owners. <laughs> How fantastic. Rather than perhaps those traditional groups based around demographics, it's 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 about almost like consumer groups. They've kind of set themselves yeah. up consumer persona around their motivation exactly. for doing things, their likes, their dislikes. Exactly right. How fantastic. And these have been have come up organically, have they? They have. I mean, they've come up really because the employees felt a need for it. And then because of the way that Discovery is very well networked and people, it's a very, it's a very matrixed organization. There's lots of communication. It's uh, that, you know, word gets out and things get, you know, it's very easy to set up a workplace group and they were set up very quickly. We actually also have, you know, a kids of Discovery workplace group and we've been inviting families to the global town halls with david we have been we have the the workplace group which are for the children of people who work for the company with so just looking at the employee but within the entire uh, sort of infrastructure of where their lives are at this yeah. moment in time and trying to encompass and engage and involve as much of that as we can to try and make things as easy or as empathetic and supportive as possible. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm conscious of your of your schedule. I know how busy you are. Is there anything else that you just want to, that's kind of top of mind for you about how you're going to do things differently, whatever normal uh, returns? Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the one other thing that that, that is uh, top of mind at the moment is about how and where people work. So we created a program called Skills Hunter, which was... Our sports business was was really massively impacted through 
COVID-19 because there's no live sport anywhere. And so we had a number of employees across Europe, but more broadly, whose volume of work was was diminished in, in part or significantly. People and culture workload, not so much, but those people definitely. And so we created a project marketplace of sorts where we advertise because some places work was very, very heavy and we advertised project work and anyone in the world could apply to work on those projects because, of course, geography doesn't matter. And we've seen real success. We've had, we had over 60 matches between employees and roles in the organisation that, that they can do while still sitting in the location that they are, still work, in some cases, still working their job and doing this sort of on... On, as a part-time kind of focus. And so I think fr- from a way to e- develop people, expand expand their opportunities and give people growth, that's a really great thing. And sort of pushing that out, the boundaries of that out a little bit, I think that the question of where, making an automatic assumption that roles need to be based in a certain geography is something yeah. that we will stop. I also like the fact that it's project based because I think, you know, we've all been quite good at looking at, say, redeploying people who might have been at risk of severance or redundancy and getting them another job in the company. But it's that lending your skills and capabilities and it Mm -hmm. being short term, project based, part time, um, both as a development aspect, but also increasing productivity and reducing the amount of waste, you know, people's downtime if uh, if, uh, certain areas are struggling I think that that's got to be the way forward hasn't it yeah totally totally Amy that's fantastic that was just um you know really fascinating stuff and you can hear in your voice that actually some of this stuff is quite exciting you know for all of the challenges we're discovering things and we're doing it really quickly you know I mean you've just mentioned kind of three fairly meaty projects that I'm sure in the past would have taken a long time to get up and running you know once you've got your stakeholder approval and you've got to do your business case and and yet you've just done all of this stuff really fast yeah i i agree and i and i think that also some of it is stuff that that we have been discussing for quite some time mm-hmm. but you know it, it feels like the opportunity to influence leaders who were perhaps a little more traditional in their approach yeah. has increased significantly yeah. because by you know adversity is the mother of invention and we have t- taken that step to really use this adversity to to push some things that really are going to make a difference to people's lives Amy that's fantastic thank you for joining us thank you for having me Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.